Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that look like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. Alright, welcome back to the SLC Punks Podcast. This is James Hansen, also known as Hansen James. And this is Milo. What's up, y'all? And we're back with another episode of the SLC Punks Podcast, and we've got things to talk about. Uh, the last time we talked, I can't remember, it was a little while ago, but the Jazz went on a crazy streak, although they've been streaking for a while now. But uh, the Jazz are remarkably good. And they won. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're like... They're like 20 out of their last 22, maybe 21 out of the, I don't even know. They're on a nine-game winning streak as as of tonight. Uh, we're talking Sunday night. The Jazz are really, really good, and they're really, really good in a lot of ways. Uh, there was an article that came out, though, the last day or two. I, can't, I, I, uh, I think we need to talk about this saying that the Jazz have regressed from last season. Yeah, there's a, there's a guy who I, I, he's most known for writing – Something. Evidently, he's right often. <laughs> he puts words into a computer Technically, screen. Technically, he puts words on the internet and people publish it. These are these are words that he typed on a keyboard and they formed sentences. And they formed sentences. And somebody said, eh, that's a good idea. Let's post this. <laughs> and, 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 and evidently, he got paid for this. So, uh, first thing, who's... Where's this? Where like I, I think it's Inquisitor dot com. So yo, his name's Brett, editor, Rhett editor of Inquisitor dot com. We're really good at putting nonsensical things on the internet, <laughs> and and they actually and sometimes they make sense. And so like if 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 you think this this article that uh, his name is Rhett Wilkinson put out there, it was really good, dude. Do we have some gold for you? So that's my first thing. Second, he went out there and he said that this year has been a regression on on the season. And I, let's just go through it because, A, I don't want you to click on this article. because No, don't. Don't click on this article. Don't search for it. We're going to tell you all about it right now. Um, and, and, and second, like, you deserve to have a better day than all of us. So just, just, just avoid it that's why we're here we're here to uh climb through the slop like pigs it's what we do and then we come out with the gems for you so you don't have to that's exactly it so it's a metaphor for twitter in a lot of ways yeah it's a metaphor for twitter so here's here's what here's what's going on so rhett says this year's been a regression because the jazz didn't blow it up in the summer so catalog this article in stories rhett should have written in august so, <laughs> hey, you know what? 
this guy's writing this now, and this is literally the only person who is not attacking people like you and me who talked about tanking a month and a half ago. And we can talk about the tanking talk, but go on. Yeah, that's the that's funny thing. Is like we had the tanking talk when the Jazz were terrible, like when it was topical. And I really feel like he's been sitting on this article for like five, six months. And it's just like, ah, oh, man, how do, do I really just, work? How do I work this in to make it current? Do you think he's scheduled to post it, though? And it just he posted it the wrong date. Like he accidentally did it 2018 to, yeah, instead of yeah. 2017. <laughs> Maybe he had it for August, August 20, 17th, 18th. And then he was like, oh, crap, I accidentally made it for March. Oh, the three and the eighth that look so much alike. <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, and he's well, like, oh, I have to make it topical before it goes live. So, so he, so he says the Jazz have regressed a because um, when when Gordon Hayward left, he disagrees with Dennis Lindsay's money ball approach and going def- all in on defense. And to his credit, a lot of us did disagree with that in December. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, cool, good on you, Rhett, for finally catching up to. December, I mean, really got, awesome. He's got a little bit of homework to do to catch up. I yeah, mean, yeah, man. When he sees Star Wars, he's gonna be really, really lit. So, <laughs> so when he's, he, he's gonna, yeah. So when he, so he says that because they signed all these role players, the Jazz did something stupid because there's no way these role players can stay consistent because Joe Ingles is having a career year and there's no way he can replicate it. Yeah, because it's not like Joe Ingles did this last year. Question yeah, I mean mark? he was a he was a terrible shooter last yeah, he's year. Yeah, terrible so. shooter. Yeah, you look back the last two years, he's one of the worst. If worst also means best three point shooters in the league, and um and Quinn Snyder has also had a penchant for turning role players into really good role players. Not just like hey, this guy hopefully he fills a gap, but they know their their skill set and their role and they actually increase. He also said it was stupid because there's no way these guys can play at such a high level, even though they're winning games with Ricky Rubio now playing on earth again. Um, he yeah. also said that the jazz have regressed because they, Dennis Lindsay didn't go out there and find another, an, another scorer, which would be a great take in August. It's not a really good take when you, the dude he drafted in, in in June is putting up 22 points and is looking like Michael Jordan. So that doesn't age well. <laughs> he also says is that the Jazz should have should have tanked this year because they could even have a great play they could finally get a great player, you know, like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell? Question mm-hmm. mark. So he lists all these things which would have been this 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 would have been a fire take, a great take in like November, December. And we'll, we'll, I, I can agree with that because I was one of those people who were taking those takes and also ate crow in January where the Jazz went on their streak. And well, I and you know crow. what? I want to I, I want to talk about this a little bit. Yeah. I want to talk about the tanking talk because there's people that go on Twitter and they spout off and they say things like, "You guys who talked about tanking." Uh, should be ashamed of yourselves and should feel bad and talk to your bishop because you're terrible and how would you ever say that? You know what? We're not the only ones who thought about that. I can promise you that jazz front office people thought about tanking. 
national There's media th- thought about tanking. They said the Jazz at this point should really think about – we were approaching the trade deadline as a bad team, and a lot of people were like, wow. Uh, and even Dennis Lindsay uh, – who was it? It was Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder um, leading up to the trade deadline before the streak had started. So this was, what, middle of January? And Quinn Snyder went on the record and he said, there's no silver bullet for this. Well, yeah, because for one thing, Rudy went through two big injuries this year. And the first Donovan time he Mit- came back, he didn't look good. Remember that? No, the first he time did he not. came back, he, could, he, he was he, he didn't he have still lift. Looked, yeah, he didn't, had, he had, yeah, he had no lift. And so you're looking at an injured, you know what Rudy is, but he's injured. And you don't know how long that's going to take. And then he gets injured again. And then you have a team that is being led by a rookie uh, guard in Donovan Mitchell who looked like he had all the potential in the world and was starting to fulfill it. But depending on a rookie to lead your team anywhere is a recipe for a lottery pick. With, with like no anyone doubt, who thinks otherwise. Because Joe Johnson was also hurt. You had Dante Exum missing. You had Rudy Gobert missing. Who else? Well, it, 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 and, and, the thing, well, and the thing is, is like people think that there's only one strategy that a team has during the year. I can promise you that Dennis Lindsay has five or six different strategies he's juggling at all times. Right now, we have one strategy, and that's make the playoffs. But when the Jazz were injured and hurt and Donovan was, you know, at the very beginning of the year, he was struggling, but he kind of did better. But we were not – we were we had, we had were like 10 games below 500. I promise you that Dennis Lindsay was also thinking about what he could do to just bring in assets. And that's where he was, and that's why we talked about it. But the people that say, well, we were just – we were going to win, and, and anyone who said that you, you don't play to win is a, is a bad fan or – you're a moron. That's not how it works. No, and and, and when we talked about the... when, when we had because uh, I wrote I wrote the infamous tank note article, and yeah. part of the reason. So let's let's let let me give you a backstory on um, running a site. So when your team is losing, not as many people read your site. Yeah, um, not it, it, it kind of happens. It kind of happens, and so we decided. As a site, hey, if we're going to be bad this year, let's at least have a cause to 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 like coalesce around. Mm-hmm. And tank note kind of ended up being that, and it kind of was organically happening when they're like, "You guys were tank note." Like, literally every there was a lot of people on the internet who were tweeting that in in a funny manner. We thought it was funny; it was a good joke. And part of that was like, "Hey, we don't want people to tune out because we are looking forward ahead," and we're like, "Okay." Well, I don't want only six people reading our site. And so it was just like, hey, this is going to be a good cause to root around. And 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 to your point, it is exactly right. Like, a front office is not like ride or die on a single strategy the entire year. And then if it doesn't work, they're like, well... <laughs> guess we're done guess, in guess, January. Yeah, we can't, we, can't, we can't change strategies in December. That would be ridiculous. Because <laughs> a, a, a Jay Crowder move doesn't happen this year if... If that winning streak doesn't occur, oh, absolutely, it does not. It does not you're, you're, because all of a sudden your goals are different. All of a sudden you're like, well, you know, we're going to approach free agency a lot different. Maybe we're unloading some of these contracts. We're like, if the Jazz don't go on that winning streak, say Rudy Gobert comes back and he's not fully healthy, and you're like, oh my goodness, he's not fully healthy. We're worried about his future health. We're probably going to shut him down. That's not tanking. That's taking care of your of of your players and your future and your investment in that player. And I was the one who wrote the article. And what the article was 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 being a proponent of is like, hey, we got a young player in Donovan Mitchell 
We have these other pieces that we're trying to figure out. Let's figure out, you know, who of these bargain contracts is worth keeping around for the next year. Let's give Donovan Mitchell as much burn as possible. Let's play Ricky Rubio and see if he can get better. And mm-hmm. you know what? And at that time, it wasn't really tanking. It was just like the Jazz really just weren't good enough to win games. Yeah, we were bad. We had a, a, the worst starting lineup in the NBA with Rudy uh favors and ricky rubio we had three non-shooters on the floor ricky was not hitting shots and he was turning the ball over astronomically bad and we yeah. were losing a lot of games and dennis Lindsay has even said he did not anticipate this happening quinn snyder exactly. has said we did not anticipate this happening like and that's like when you get to the meat meat of this whole thing of why the jazz are so good this comes down to a the coaching staff putting in the work but also the mm-hmm. players putting in major work and all of a sudden it all coalescing and just working because people were just were like, we're going to make this work. And that's what's so special about this. When you look at like a money ball approach, you are looking for these bargain contracts, but you're also looking for, you know, lightning to strike at the same time. You're trying and they to, did. And, and, and it and, did with, and, and, with and, it's, and it's happened. So to go back to this trash article, when, when <laughs> Sorry, people, slight when, tangent. <laughs> yeah, when people are like, "You guys did the take note." We did it when it was when when we were really in the thick of it. And trust us, we watched the games. I was I I stopped doing an analytics watch every Sunday because it turned into just a dumpster fire. Like at one point, we when when Rudy was out, our defensive rating had gone from being one of the best to um bottom 10 and i think that was the last week i did it because i was like we have the worst offense in a bottom 10 defense without rudy gobert mm-hmm. that's but what you that's know what when, we that's shouldn't when tank we, yeah and that's when we wrote the tanking article it was like yeah this is this is bad this is this is not a good team and so but this guy like he's hitting the tanking article like Two or three months Two after three the months? fact, when it was a valid thing. Yeah, and when the Utah Jazz have done one of the most hi- – uh, are are already trending to have the most historic – most historic run of – from being nine games under 500. Also, yeah, like for people who are like, you didn't believe in the team. And like, I, be- I believed in the team. I just didn't believe in the team this year. And also, well, and can like, I say one thing yeah, too? Like, it's, it's like it's, like it's not my job to be to be a cheerleader. Like a lot of the time, like we we write articles, we follow the team. Trust me, we're, we're big fans, but at the same time, it's not our job to just be irresponsible homers when they're nine down and not to look at reality. Like, well, yeah, and I I know me personally, I come across as a homer, and sometimes that's just a character I play on Twitter. But we as writers and bloggers and podcasters, whatever. We have to watch this team every day and we have to write about them every day and we have to be and we are not under any sort of um, censorship or control of anyone. We're here and we're just honest with you. And I can't write something that I don't think is is honest. Like if I'm going to go out and say, oh, man, you know what? They have the worst offense in the league and now their defense is one of the worst in the league, too. But you know what? You're just never going to lose because that's. You know, no, that's silliness. If I we got Donovan Mitchell in the draft, 
And if Donovan Mitchell hadn't turned into what he is and Rudy didn't come back fully healthy, then the best option would have been to just get another piece because that's the only way that the Jazz get good assets is through the draft. I I think I anecdotally – I think I was – I called you right after the Atlanta Hawks loss and I think I told you like just off the side I was like, man, we're about a week's worth of, of losses away from having to do draft posts. Exactly. And guys, it we don't get clicks or views. Like the little videos I do, I was getting like 200 views. Like, yeah. Do you like, think we want this as a site? We don't want it. It's not good. Yeah, it's none of, bad. Yeah, none of us were rooting for tank like like no one's like, "Hey, you know it'd be really awesome if nobody reads our site for two Yeah, you know what's years? great? No one watching my things, no one listening to my stuff, no one reading my article. Like Because, because that's guaranteed not... if we tanked and didn't get Doncic, there's nobody who's going to be like, "Oh, dude, I'm so hyped for Michael Porter." <laughs> <laughs> like we, you know, that's the thing is you go click farming at that point. You're just like writing draft articles and Yeah, and and, and, and this, we did yeah. that's just sucks. This really sucks. And so and so What's funny about this article on on him who's going, this just just did a bad strategy. It's like this is not looking at the complete picture. Like he's citing like the Jazz were lower in defensive win shares this year when the season's not over and the Jazz were missing Rudy Gobert. But even though, but he's he's like cherry picking and not being like. But when Rudy Gobert was healthy, uh, the second time around, the second time returned from injury, the Jazz have been playing like a sixty-five win team. That's an insane – like you can't just be like, yeah, this season is regression and pull out the whole thing. And then you're like, yeah, except for that part where they are playing like a 65-win team and have only lost two games in their past 22 and have gone from 10th place to 5th place. And, <laughs> and, and oh, yeah, about that part where they totally blew the doors off the Toronto Raptors, Washington Wizards, Golden State Warriors, San Antonio Spurs all on the road. Yeah, man, what a trash team. Like you can't – you can't cherry pick those those details and leave those out to to prove your narrative because the fact of the matter is there's no guarantee that Utah would have been better this year with Gordon Hayward and and and, and the other thing too that is so frustrating that he's leaving out of his article is just like oh without losing Gordon Hayward and he makes no note of George Hill which is the George other Hill was as big a loss as yeah. because you lose the forty percent three point shooting. Yeah, and so that's the other thing that is just so mind numbingly dumb. It's just like the, to to be like, oh, because they lost Gordon Hayward. No, they also lost they lost their two top scores, and they jettisoned their third top score from the previous season in Rodney Hood. So and they've replaced it with Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell, Ricky Rubio, and. And and then they've integrated Jay Crowder. They've done it without without Dante Exum this season. They've done it with a hodgepodge of really bargain contracts that have turned out to be really great. If they had Toggle Cephalosha, they'd even have greater depth, which would be insane. And 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 he's and he's trying to craft this piece where it's just like I can see you have a narrative that you want to play, but then but if you as a writer, if you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, I. I because sometimes I'll admit, like you go into writing a story, and then you get halfway through, like uh, doing, and a you're stat like piece, crap, <laughs> and you're like, this actually is the polar opposite of what I thought this was going to be. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, time to hit backspace, delete, or you just don't post, and you don't don't hit submit, 
And or you just you just go the opposite way and you say, you know what, I was wrong. I'm going to write about why they're great. Or, yeah, yeah. Or, I, I mean, I've I've put a, a quite a few posts on here being like, this article started as a total hate piece on this, and guess what? I, I had to do that. I, one of my favorite ones is I had a Joe Ingles piece uh, the year they had drafted him, mm-hmm. uh, not drafted him, they'd signed him, and and I thought Joe Ingles was garbage. I did. Uh, and and a oh. lot of us and remember Twitter uh, when Joe Ingles would check in, it was like a collective groan on Twitter. Like, well, we uh, used to just I I know it's so are we crazy doing this with Joe Ingles every single time because that uh. was the same year they had Dante Exum and Rodney Hood. And you're like you're playing him over Rodney Hood and Alec Burks, and and he was getting minutes. You know where where you could have like had Dante Exum playing shooting guard off of off of Trey Burke, and you're like, why are we doing this? And as the season went on, he went. He got better, and I remember um, halfway through the season, I had this preconceived notion of what Joe Ingles was as a player because I allowed the first two months of his playing to define him as a, as a player. And by halfway through the season, he was not that player. Mm-hmm. And and as I was writing it and collecting stats and doing doing my homework, I was like, we have a good player. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it was just like, my piece of Quinn Snyder needs to play Joe Ingles less minutes and Alec Burks more turned into Quinn Snyder is made the right choice to stick with Joe Ingles. So it, like you just got to pivot. And and so basically what we're saying is it's a trash article. Don't click on it, laugh at it. And uh, we have a better team. Yeah. And, and guess what? If you, we will be here no matter what, like when the Ty Corbin years were going on, when you know Rudy went down, we write articles, and we're going to be honest with you. And if that means like we think the best route is to lose games, then we're going to be honest. I'm not going to like lie. I want to be honest because what we want is what's best for the team. And right now, it's obviously the Jazz have just absolutely turned it around with historically great defense. Like, and maybe that's what we can kind of talk about now is. Rudy Gobert, uh, Tony Jones kind of talked about this, and I completely agree with Tony Jones. Rudy Gobert is a top 10 player right now. There's no other explanation for why the Jazz are winning games. That game against Sacramento, they shot 66% from three, and we shot 25% from three and won the game. And I can only attribute that to Rudy Gobert being just the best defensive player in the NBA. He has been... I, I... I was <laughs> so I made a hot take on my show. I said that if Rudy Gobert played Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he'd make him look silly. <laughs> so I feel like after the fact, I was kind of like, that might have been a hot take. But after watching this streak, I I believe it. I think Rudy Gobert might go down as one of the best defend best defenders ever. And right now we're seeing it. Twenty twenty games in the last twenty two, uh, it's remarkable. Yeah, and and he's and his offense is getting better, and he's just about to enter his prime. He's twenty five years old. Like this oh. is this is just really special. So we have about another four to five years of elite play from Rudy Gobert, which is coinciding with Donovan Mitchell rising into his prime as well. And it, this is just a really special time. This is this is a this is a duo that is going to really uh, tempt free agents to come to Utah. This is this is insanely special what what Utah has and it it got us to thinking what would happen if you played this year's Utah Jazz 
versus last year's Utah Jazz. That's right. So, so let's 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 go through this like position by position. So we're going to start at point guard. So George Hill versus mm-hmm. versus Rubio. What's the result? What do you think? What do you think the result would be? Well, this kind of reminds me. I don't know if you've ever watched um, uh, History Channel where they talk about historical uh, warriors facing off against other historical warriors. It's a pretty fun show. I can't remember what it's called, but they'll have like a samurai go up against like a uh, Greek uh, spear phalanx warrior. I thought you were just going to see say WWE because that just <laughs> seems like what all WWE is now. They're like, Stone Cold Steve Austin has come out of retirement. Stone, Stone Cold goes out of there, 60 years old, <laughs> pounding well, a like... PPR. <laughs> well, in this scenario, I think if we're talking wrestlers, uh, Ricky Rubio is a tough son of a gun. And you kind of got to look at the season as a whole. And that's kind of what he's I'm getting Rey at. Is like, he's like, he's like, he's just like terribly he's like underrated. Takes punishment, but just keeps coming. Yeah. And, oh, what's a good, like Hacksaw Jim Duggan or something. He just, he just gets battered and he just keeps coming. But like, I, George Hill, how many games did he play last season? Like 45? Um, so he we, played, he, um, he played, he started in 51. He played in 58. I have, I, I got 58 his, games. his, yeah, basketball reference up. And Ricky has played, um, most of the season. I think he set out a handful of games, maybe five or six. But one thing I think that honestly, I feel like Ricky Rubio gets the edge because he is a solid, solid defender. And I think he's a slightly underrated part of this jazz defense right now which is making it so historically great. I think George Hill would be okay against Ricky Rubio, but I think uh, George Hill wasn't as impressive a defender last year. Oh, excuse year me. To... You, no, you were right. You were, you were right on, on how many games he played. He only played in 49 games. I was, I was going to say, I think he missed almost half the season. Yeah, almost and half so, the season. And, yeah, go ahead. And so I, I think durability, one, probably goes to Rubio. Mm-hmm. And just head-to-head, I felt, I felt like George Hill – his defense took a step back for Utah. His three-point shooting was really nice, and that helped spread the floor for a lot of things, but his durability was not there. His defense was not as good as you'd have hoped because I remember just pulling my hair out at times uh, with him getting just... I mean, there would be games where we would be getting torched by, like, just, like, random guards, like Ramon Sessions or something would just, like, go off at times against us, and it would drive me nuts last season. And so I think the edge honestly goes to Rubio. I think Rubio would eat up uh, George Hill, and and there's just something about Rubio. He looks like he's like Spanish Rick Grimes from Walking Dead to me. He just <laughs> he just gets under everyone's skin, and yeah. yeah. Oh, speaking of that, like how how many dudes have like a secret beef with Rubio that we don't know of? Like is Rubio <laughs> I mean, just like girlfriends this is he epic trash talker that we'll only hear about like when there's a thirty for thirty done on this, where they're like. Dude, Ricky Rubio, dude, he like. Are, are we gonna suddenly find out like he he like he researches guys like weakness and breaking points before every game? Well, and, uh, you know what I wonder. What I think it is, and this is just James' theory, but one of the first things Donovan, one of the first quotes Donovan Mitchell had, like when he came into the first days of practice, and we were all just giddy with excitement to watch him play, was just man, that Ricky Rubio is a good defender. <laughs> And I get the feeling Ricky Rubio is just one of those guys that makes everything hard. Everything's difficult. Just little, you know, crossover dribbles just become harder when Rubio's guarding you. Because he's one of the best steals guys in the NBA. Just 
his like his through his career has always been one of the top steals guys. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that's just a just him being one of those guys that just interrupts your dribble, doesn't let you com- get comfortable in your your sets and get to your spots and all these. I think Ricky Rubio just is a is a hard nosed guy that kind of looks like a pretty boy. But when you play him, I bet he's just frustrating. Yeah, I like, definitely think this is like a very offense versus defense type matchup. Like, so if you're going defensive win shares, Ricky Rubio is on track to have one of his best defensive win share seasons in his career. Like right now, he has total defensive win shares at three point two, mm-hmm. and so um, he's and his his career high was three point six, and so probably by the end of the season. Um, he'll have surpassed that at the way the Jazz are turning it around. The other thing, too, is he started out this season, like that December stretch was brutal. Uh, and Oh, it was bad. And November, and November after you cooled off, it and into January, it was just like, it, and then what he's doing now, like he's now offense, he's in the positive when it comes to offensive win shares. I, there's, there's no way you could have paid me to say that probably would have happened by the end of the season. Versus, uh, Versus George Hill last year with with Utah, he had 4.0 when it came to offensive win shares, and he was a beast offensively. He had one of his best. He had his best offensive season when it came to efficiency in his career. But he he never was he never played like Rubio's played 66 games this year. Is trending to get you know finish um, in the 75 region versus mm-hmm. you know uh, George Hill who. Played forty nine, played in the Clippers, and then was out with a big toe, and then cashed yeah. in, and then cashed in. He did big time. I mean, he was playing for a contract last year, like, every... and honestly, I think Rick Rubio's defense would disrupt because George Hill's value was in his offensive game, and if you have a defender like Rubio going at him, it negates it, and then all of a sudden on off on defense, he can't because Ricky Rubio, like the last week or so, and especially the win streak now and the win streak pre All Star break, his plus minus has been incredible and and, and it's not just defense it's it's his running the offense it just runs better yeah and he's playing like his stats right now like i feel like they've come to earth but there's like a happy medium now like he's averaging about 12 to 14 points a game he's getting about five to seven rebounds a game and five five to eight assists a game Mm -hmm. and so now like that's the rubio that i thought we were getting and so mm-hmm. he feels really balanced. He, it doesn't feel like his usage rate is insane where he's doing too much. And um, and it, it, that I think that's the big thing with this streak now. Like the first streak with Utah, it didn't feel like it was in balance. Like there was a lot of things where Donovan Mitchell was having to go hero mode to get get some wins. Uh, Ricky mm-hmm. Rubio was, was – he had a few like, you know, <laughs> 30 points. He had a 30-point scoring game and – and mm-hmm. then Gobert was out, and then they were integrating Jay Crowder, and it took like all of their effort to get some of those wins. Versus this streak now, where you're where everybody's contributing, it, it's really balanced. I think the only game where you're like, "Whoo, that was a really close one," was at was uh, the Pelicans one, where you're where that's against a playoff team. That felt like a playoff game. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, they both know that that win could mean the playoffs and so they went at it yeah they that was back and forth and then last night versus the kings where the kings i I wrote the preview to that and i said the kings have a lot of really good young talent so they're a team that could just it if if the right pieces coalesce and and they don't get too big for their britches 
they can scare you, and they totally did. They played a really great game, and like it. Hey, for the rogue Sacramento King uh, fan that might be listening to this, or is also a Jazz fan as well, dude, that team, that team they're is gonna, gonna be, be good. They're gonna be scary. I I am praying they don't get get Luca. If they get Luca, or if they get DeAndre Ayton, and then you pair that with Bogdanovich and and, and, and De'Aaron Fox and healed, uh, Willie Cauley. St- ah, man. I'm they're they're good. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to be a good, finally good, good on team. track. Like yeah, now they finally have a core. Like uh, when they traded Cousins and got those players, uh, like now like with Cousins they had a really good all-star player, but they had no depth and they didn't have a diversity of young talent. They now have a diversity of young talent and that's really it's starting to show now. Mhm. And and they're all on the same page. They're on the same trajectory, right? Like Absolutely. They just need to play their young guys and draft another guy and then just develop them. I don't I yeah. their coach seems like he's pretty good enough. Yeah. They have um, a good core. But... They have a good core. They might need a another coach to 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 take him to the next level possibly, but uh you know, Mike Mike Malone might might be the guy. So anyway. Or is it Jorger? No, it's, it's Jorger. Yeah, it's Jorger. But anyways, I give I personally, and I don't know if maybe you can make your vote, but I give my vote. I give my the edge to Ricky Rubio. I think he does because a Ricky Rubio gets underneath uh, point guard skins, and Utah rarely has to worry about a a, a point guard going off with with Rubio. So I think mm-hmm. I, I think I, I don't think it's like I, I think it's a slight edge to Rubio, but I think because of Rubio's defensive prowess, I think this turns into a draw, and that's a. Okay. I could see that offense I, versus defense. Yeah, I I think this because George Hill last year offensively was insane. Like he he, he had his, he was really good. He he was really good. He had he had he had um his third best year in, in win shares, and he only played forty nine games. Like that's he was good when he played. When he played. All right, let's move on. So shooting guard, who do we have? It's obviously Donovan Mitchell versus Joe versus. Ingles. Is it Rodney Hood? Joe Ingles. Well, who do we want to go with? Because Rodney Hood had it for the first half of the year, and then he lost his spot to Joe Ingles. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I I say we we go Joe Ingles on this because he feels like the true like he, like when Joe Ingles was in, it was like that was the that was the the starting five that got it rolling. Mm-hmm. Let's not okay. handicap this. Let's just let's do this. Okay, because <laughs> I know I know I want to I want to be Rodney Hood too, so you could be a Donovan Mitchell all day. I know. I was like, next. No, you're right. So um, this is an interesting. I don't know if Joe Joe Ingles. This is tough because Joe Ingles is a great defender, and I, uh, he's one of the most underrated defenders in the NBA. I don't know if Joe Ingles can keep up with Donovan Mitchell though. Yeah, because it, I mean Joe Ingles does a great job on wing defenders, but man, if Joe Ingles had to guard Damian Lillard or or uh, Russell Westbrook all game, how is he going to do then? And that's the type of scorer that Mitchell is. Like he's that's the thing. And Joe's guy. Well, Joe's good for like twenty five to thirty minutes a game. After that, he does start to wear down, and. Mm-hmm. I wonder if if in that game, you know, Joe Ingles comes out and plays really hard and does a really good job on Donovan and then Donovan does what he does and it's like halfway through the third quarter and the fourth quarter starts and Joe's getting kind of gassed 
and Donovan starts getting that Donovan, uh, like that gleam in his eye where he sees that defender's tired. Yeah. I mean, he did that last night. It was, it was sexy. It was it, like, it's beautiful. It is it, like, what is so awesome about it is um, like, they're talking how he has these big, big second halves and, and he's learning like that, like these first halves, he's kind of a little quiet, but he's because defenses are keying in on him. He's not trying to do too much. He's allowing the defenses. Uh, he's drawing the defense's gravity over to him and opening up the game for his teammates. Mm-hmm. But in the defense, in the second half, after a, the coaching staff is able to watch and, and, and be like, okay, have, you know, a, second, third, fourth pair of eyes watching how the defense is working with him. When he comes out of the second half, he comes out like a bat out of hell. And he is he he is able to just slice and dice because he's a cerebral player too. That's what makes him so special is he's mm-hmm. he's he's he is, his basketball IQ is high. So he comes out and he attacks. So I think that would that would be kind of typical of what happens with the Joe Ingles like Donovan Mitchell matchup, like they might have the same amount of points at halftime because Ingles gets some three point, you know, three pointers off. He's able to uh, beat Donovan on defense a little bit because of his because it, Joe Ingles is. I mean, Joe Ingles is the best player in the NBA. Let's just remember. Well, and that. he's the thing is, is what Ingles would do, and it's what he does against a lot of guys that are smaller. He knows how to use his body really well. He does. So Ingles would get some points on Donovan just by using his size and length to score, but. That second half would come, and the it same thing. It would be thing, a reckoning. Like, I think it would be. Oh a reckoning. my goodness! Like Donovan Mitchell is kind of like the Borg in Star Trek, where like he just learns from you, acclimates, takes what you're using against him, and then he uses it against you. That, and he has the yes. talent to do it against everybody. He just like, like there. Honestly, he had that moment last night. He won that game again. For, so Donovan won that game for us on the offensive end. Rudy won it for us on the defensive end. There were like three plays where he just like saw who was guarding him waited for that exact moment when he knew he had I mean he knows he's so smart and he knows how to use his talent in ways that he's going to be so good for years because he knows exactly where that guy needs to be on the floor so he has enough space to blow by him and he man yeah you got I I I think the edge goes to Donovan Mitchell he probably in the fourth quarter has a big fourth quarter against Joe who probably wears out at that point yeah I I, I agree I think I think Donovan Mitchell would would light him up in the fourth quarter and uh, and he's a rook. Okay, so now we go to the matchup of all matchups. This is the one I'm excited about. This is a tough one. This is this is like because I'm ha- try- I have to be impartial because because this is Joe Ingles, m- the love of my life, against Slytherin. my ex girlfriend, <laughs> Gordon Hayward, and so so this is hard because. In a lot of ways, Gordon Hayward was the one that got away. Mm. He was, he was, he was, he was out of my league. And and though I'm really happy with Joe Ingles, in my heart of hearts, I know Gordon Hayward was a prettier one. And so, he, so uh, I have like it, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was hard because you have like, like. Part of me is like, man, Joe Ingles would know so much about Gordon Hayward and guarantee Gordon Hayward would just get pissed. Like, there would be so much. Like, there'd oh, be, that's the There's so much Joe... trash talk. There'd be so much. He'd be bringing up, he'd be bringing up, like, Kobe. 
He'd be bringing up Kobe. I was going to say that. I was like, is Michael going to say it? Are we allowed to say it? Are we allowed to say it? I was going to say, gonna say he's going to bring up like Gordon Hayward's you like, went there. old girlfriend. He's going to be bringing it up. He'd be like, hey, remember Kobe? And then you hey, went we're out the here. You went and you go, went, robbed the cradle. And got, got, what, what's she, 18? What's she, 18, yeah. Hayward? You ended that with a text just like you did with Gail, Gordon. We know how you do. But you know that Joe Ingles would be saying all of this to Gordon Hayward on the yeah, court. Yeah, exactly. Like the way I see Joe Ingles like approaching a Gordon Hayward matchup would be that he would he would start to catfish Gordon Hayward like for two for two straight years. Like this would be like a long burn, and then he would like expose himself as the person <laughs> that he's been catfishing the entire time. Like right right before he'd be like, "I'm Jennifer." He revealed it. He had Voldemort's head behind his the whole time. Yeah, he'd, be, he'd just be right there. He'd be like, hey, it's good talking to you. I miss you. Remember me? Jennifer? And all of a sudden, like, Gordon Hayward's like, I've been catfished for two years. <laughs> I've been playing Twitch with... Uh, I've been on Twitch and... What's it... What do you even call that? I don't know. G-time. I've been G-timing on the Twitch channel with, with Jennifer this entire time. It's all a lie. So... <laughs> So I think – so this this would be hard because Gordon Hayward, the thing that is so elite about Gordon Hayward is he has such a high basketball IQ and he gets to the line. And I do think that he could use Joe Ingles' aggressive uh, play against him and get to the line a lot. Like mm-hmm. I, could, I could see that being like – he might go like four for sixteen, you know, four for sixteen, four for seventeen, but you'd end up with twelve trips to the line because he could use Joe Ingles' aggression against him, and he's going to rebound really well, and and he's going and he's going to be a great playmaker for his team. Like he opens up the floor, mm. so that's. But I think this year's Joe Ingles is a much better Joe Ingles. So he is. so it's not like last year Joe Ingles where he's not taking you off the dribble anymore. Like he's going to make Gordon Hayward work on the defensive end, and it's not like they can hide Gordon Hayward on Donovan Mitchell either, it's because if they switch to give him you know give him you know give him a blow, he's 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 on Donovan all of a sudden. So and there is no rest when guarding Donovan. And there's no Don. Uh, yeah, there's no rest. So so he can't hide. He can't hide at all. Um, and he has to pay attention. He has to pay attention to Joe Ingles in the corner. So defensively, because Gordon Hayward's a good player defensively, but at the same time, you're not able to to save him there. So uh, he's not. If you hide him to give him some rest, then all of a sudden the floor opens up. <clears throat> so yeah, it's I, I do think this those... is an edge to this is an edge to Hayward. As much as I love Ingles, this is an this is an edge to Hayward. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably one of those, like, 18.5 assists, 5 rebound games for Gordon. Yep. Yeah, but slightly less efficient. Yeah, and I, I and because Hayward's a good defender, I see, you know, I see Joe, he might be, like, 3 for 6 from 3, but finish with 11 points. Yeah. Like, 11 points, like, 4 rebounds, 6 assists. One yeah, of but he games. might... Might get a, he might might also, get a steal. And he really, also might get one finger in Gordon's ear. He might. Uh, yes. He's gonna trash talk once or twice. Yeah, do it. Yeah, he's gonna do it once or twice. So, so then let's go into. Now, then we have last year's Derek Favors versus this year's Derek Favors. This year's Derek Favors, all day. It's not even close. Last oh, yeah. year's Derek Favors was so injury riddled. He played half the season as well. 
Um, this year's Derek Favors is also spreading the floor a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hitting, hitting like what is he? Was he thirty percent from three? The last time he's probably dropped he's, because he hit a he, he had a he had a few games where he just didn't hit anything. So I think he's dropped from three. Yeah, he's dropped because he was like at ten. He was at ten for thirty, and now he's at ten for forty-four. Uh, but he was close to thirty percent. He was he was getting getting up there. So, but he's he the thing about favors, and we all know it, is that his explosion is what makes him a strong player. And this year he has it back. He just he's uh, rolling to the rim. He's finishing at the rim. Uh, he would finish on this year's Derek Favors, who last year just it was just a battle because he was. I mean, Derek was a warrior last year, but he was just hurt. Yeah. And, that's just it was just too much it, he couldn't overcome it so th- it, this isn't even that close really it's this year's Derek favors dominates yeah and... but by far it's just just a much like he's he's uh like he's getting almost he's getting twice as many offensive rebounds this year he's played in 66 games which is uh which is 16 more than what he played in all of last year he's He's getting. He's averaging a, a block a game. He's still getting steals, and yeah, and he and he's and and, and the big thing he's pl- he can play. Last year, him and Rudy hadn't figured out how to be on the court together, and so you were having to put him as a backup big. So you weren't getting a plus. You weren't getting a plus lineup if him and Gobert were on the floor at the same time. Hence, why he had Boris Diaw and and such. So honestly. It's almost like Derek Favors vers- this year versus last year's Derek Favors, half and half Boris Diaw. And Derek Favors would dominate both of those guys last year. Boris kind of spread the floor a little bit, but Derek has proven to be a great defender on perimeter fours this year. Derek Favors this year is really good and has made me think twice about what we should do in the offseason, whether we should just re-sign him or not. There's a good chance the Jazz just re-sign him because he might come at a relative bargain. Yeah, what could happen is he because there's not a lot of uh, cap space available with a lot of teams. What Derek Favors and the Utah Jazz might do, and especially if they're not look going to be a big big player in free agency, they might be like, "Hey, here's what we'll do. Let's let's sign you to a one year deal. There'll be more teams that have cap space the following year. We can give you a lot of money this year, but uh, we're not just not going to tie ourselves into that." And then if it works out again, we'll do this again. Or you can, you know, there will be more teams, and you can can find that. That's that's an option, and that mm-hmm. that could. And and we we are, we're seeing more and more players doing that right now with uh, the way free agency is with uh, the limited cap room that teams have. So, mm-hmm. but this year's Derek Favors for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Which brings us to the matchup of matchups. It's like green Godzilla versus gray Godzilla. Yes, yes. This is this is really like, yeah. This is this is like Super Mario Galaxy versus Super Mario Sunshine. This is. <laughs> I mean, this might. I honestly just you probably give this year's Rudy just a slight, slight edge because he can shoot a jump shot. I guess. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know who wins in this. Because like last, it's probably a wash. I felt like last year's Rudy Gobert attacked the rim more ferociously. Like I felt like he was really trying to posterize players. While this year's like Rudy Gobert uh, still attacks, but he picks his, he picks his spots to be able to attack. Uh, he's like he's like an efficient monster. Yeah, yeah. It's 
because let's go let's go through the through the through the numbers here. So this year versus last year's Rudy Gobert are averaging the exact same amount of points per game. Mm-hmm. At they, the same percentages. Uh, at, at the um, and this year he's shooting better from the line. Uh oh! But he's getting to the line less. His effective field goal percentage has dropped, but that's because he's taken some jumpers. He's shooting his field goal percentage. He's less two point percentage. He's less. But when you get hit, when you actually like get closer, like you know, percentage of field goal, you know, field goal percentage by distance, like it's actually all like his. He's shooting the ball like he's shooting the ball better at the three feet to ten feet distance. Mm-hmm. Then he was, uh, then he was last year. But you know, around the rim, he's shooting a little bit less. But I think that was, that's part of his injury streak as well, because this year, let's go to his splits because his post, his post All Star has been insane. So his post All Star this year, he's averaging eighteen point three points, twelve point three rebounds. His plus minus is nineteen point two. His defensive rating is 91. He's just destroying the world. And his offensive world. rating post-All-Star break is 138. <laughs> He's the rookie of the year, by the way. Anyone who says otherwise is is dumb. You mean defensive uh, player of the year? Defensive player of the year. What did I say? He's so, rookie of the year. He's so good oh. he's winning other people's awards. <laughs> and, right. then, and then his true shooting percentage is 72%. His free throw percentage is 71%. Field goal percentage, 70%. Like he's just like post All Star break this year is really where Rudy has really turned into a beast because last year remember last year post All Star break he went on a tear but last year was sixteen points thirteen rebounds one assist he his defensive rating was one hundred two like this year he's gone supernova he's really on a completely other other planet this year post All Star break and he's. Like this is this is just something really really special that we're getting to watch with with Rudy Gobert is this 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 evolution that's going on, and I would say defensively this year he's better because what he's doing anchoring this club, and I think he's he's like last year's team was put around guys who were made for Rudy Gobert. They were built for Rudy Gobert. I mean, last year's team was built for Gordon Hayward. Yeah. But this year's team, they're built around being a defensive squad. They're Mm -hmm. built around leveling up Rudy Gobert. So now all of a sudden, he's able to really, really be a defensive beast because he's not having to think of, oh man, okay, I'm going to have to cover somebody's guy. Like now you have a really good perimeter defender in, in, in Ricky Rubio. You have a really good perimeter defender in Donovan Mitchell, and he's only a rookie. You have a really good perimeter defender in Joe Ingles, and Derek Favors is healthy, so you have another good a, a guy who can guard two through four if it needs be when you switch. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, he's able to really, really, really be his best self, and this that's a scary thing. Like the 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 the, the most nightmarish thing is like, hey. We gave the defense, uh, the defensive player of the year, some free time on the defensive end. <laughs> yeah, enjoy. No, uh, he's just remarkable. He really, uh, 
I don't know. Rudy is just so good. I was actually thinking about, and we've kind of mentioned it a little bit. I mean, we've got a coach right now who is coaching at elite level as well. Uh, Quinn Snyder, give him the right pieces, and the Jazz may have, can really go into a playoff series and get a win. He proved it last year against the Clippers, who, by the way, were really, really good. And they were with, down And they were down Rudy Gobert in the first game, and he was not looking like Rudy Gobert for the rest of, uh, of the series because he was nursing that knee. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah. And so, Quinn coached him to a win. Yeah. And uh, that was... All with, hail uh, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson, Giver who of will life. never hear a boo for me. Joe never Jesus. a boo for me. But uh, Quinn's coaching an elite level, and he's been able to – I mean, this team is just – they've got so many weapons. And, I, I mean, it's just – it's kind of perfectly constructed. Last year's team was, like you said, it was kind of geared around Gordon Hayward, who is a uh, who's a great player. I don't think he's a superstar, but he's a great player. And it was kind of built around Gordon's uh, strengths, which are um, – he's a, he's a good shooter. He's not a great shooter. He's a good shooter, but he's also a great passer. He sees the floor well. And he finds other people the ball. And so the offense was – I think our offense was slightly better last year. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, the, last year's offense was was a buzzsaw. It, it yeah, really, it was really like, good. It, it was when everybody was healthy. When everybody was healthy, that that's the thing about last year's Utah Jazz team is you can look at that and be like, man, if that team had a healthy Derek Favors, George Hill played they, – they played at an above 50 – you know, what was it? Uh, they – Paid, played at a, well, a almost six, a sixty win pace. sixty win pace, so Something that was a like team that. that that you know still still had didn't hit their ceiling, and it's debatable when you look at George Hill this year where you're like, well, you know, he plays a lot different when he doesn't need a contract. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, like, but that's that that year they they hadn't hit their ceiling yet, and they were let's see offensively, offensively they're the twelfth best offense in the league, and I think. You know, post All Star break, um, they were looking, they were looking mighty, mighty scary when um, when they were healthy. So, but they just like it's crazy, it's crazy. Like the Utah Jazz to, to win that series, that right before, like ten games before the season was over, they just got worked by the Clippers. Just and the Clippers were good. That was Chris Paul. It was uh, Blake Griffin. Uh, they were good. They was, were really good. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a really good team. And like, what was their well, like? But I, I I seem to remember they were like one and three against the Clippers that year. Is that? Am I remembering I'm not, that? I don't, I don't that remember. Right? Yeah, they I don't were think one they and three. Played well, against they were them. one and three against the Clippers that season, and they they won. They 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 beat the Clippers. They beat the Clippers in a series. So. And That's, so this is this is all to just give props to Quinn, who is great. And anyone who says otherwise, I mean, there are things that Quinn does sometimes that I don't always understand or agree with. Uh, but overall, I'm excited about Quinn Quinn Snyder. He's he you he's got the right pieces, and he's turned this team into a, just a a real weapon. Yeah, um, I, I would say this, uh, something that we we got to talk about um, that just barely happened in their last game is Joe Ingles. Like Joe Ingles. I we talked a little bit like how I thought Joe Ingles was was uh, I I I jokingly said when we signed Joe Ingles that he was uh, Quinn Snyder's Matt Harpering uh, because late in late in Matt Harpering's career Jerry Sloan played Matt Harpering like it was early in his career and <laughs> and 
And so I was like, oh, Quinn Snyder's found his Matt Harpering. Somebody he can illogically play for no apparent reason. And Joe Ingles has become way better than that. Joe Ingles has become an elite perimeter defender in, in the league. He's become the one of the best three-point shooters, period, in the I league. I think he's number one right number now. Number one. And... And his remember how slow his 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 release was when he first came into the league, mm-hmm. like it was like somebody was literally winding up his jump shot, like somebody like took a crank and was like cranking it out so he could mm-hmm. just like get his like go through the motion of, of of a jump shot to the point where his his release is like snap your fingers and and it's it's uh, it's up there, so. And, and to have broken the the record, it really makes me happy that Joe Ingles has the record. And that record will most likely be held by Donovan Mitchell at some point, just the way Donovan Mitchell is going to going to improve in his career. Mm-hmm. But like Randy Foy, not, not, Randy Foy put up a lot of three pointers. But the other thing in that season, no one else shot three pointers. The the offense for it, for the kiddos out there who did not get to enjoy the Ty Corbin years, <laughs> they uh, just like we were here writing and talking about it every game. It was, nice. uh, it was. Um, we were writing about it. I'm not sure how many people were reading about it, but we were writing about it. <laughs> and a lot of people, eight. yeah, it was a very. I think it was a very divisive time in Jazzland. I'm not sure how. I think that was like there was, and that's that's when people were getting really, really mad about we should tank, we should we should go for the playoffs, like because the Jazz were like making the playoffs barely. It's like a forty and a forty four and like thirty eight team or a forty two and forty team. And you're like, yay, we made it. <laughs> Time to get swept by the Spurs. Yeah, and then. Uh... And then Al Jefferson says that he thinks we're going to lose. And then that's when you died inside. Oh, yeah. Right before the series, he's like, what did he say? He's like, oh, we're probably just not going to make it. He'd be like, thanks, man. <laughs> this, this is where I shut my computer off. I'm really so, cry in my room. so excited to buy that playoff ticket. Like, Al Jefferson wasn't exactly the best at marketing. No. So He's the opposite of Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Th- so the offense was basically you dump it into Al Jefferson Wait for something to happen. If it doesn't, he frantically passes out with only five seconds left. The ball, <laughs> the ball flies around the perimeter, and Randy Foy is left with it being like, yeah, I guess he'll shoot it. I'm sorry. I That reminded me of my favorite joke uh, from when I started, because I haven't write, written for SLC Zone too long, but when, when Amar used to write Alphense 2.0, the, <laughs> the Reckoning, yes. that used to make me laugh. Every one of, time. One of my favorite things is, uh, I believe it was Clark. Clark came out with uh, the, uh, bre- he had this breaking down the Big Al offense, and it was uh, it was called Al the Conqueror. And it was like this, this, this is, <laughs> we've come a long way as a blog, but this is still one of the greatest <laughs> things ever. Um, so basically it was this MS Paint drawing, and it had like a star of where, of where uh, <laughs> Jefferson was. And it was basically this back and forth of uh, Ty Corbin <laughs> explaining explaining to um, explaining to incumbent Quinn not uh, not Quinn Snyder, Dennis Lindsay of the Al Jefferson offense. <laughs> 
and he was like, okay. And then you pass it into Al Jefferson, and then he, and then uh, and uh, Dennis Lucy's like, oh, okay, okay, go on. And he's like, no, that's it. We just you pass it in there, and and we and and something happens, and he's like, yes, and what else? And he's like. No, no, that's it. That's the entire play. You just, you just pass it in there. And he's like, well, what if it doesn't work? And he was, and he, and it's like, I think he typed in. He's like, Tyro Corbin gives a blank stare, and <laughs> it reminds me of South Park with the elves. Uh, collect underwear, something, something, profit. Oh, I think we, I think there were so many tweets from the SLC Dunk account where you like pass it into Big L. Question mark. Something, something, profit. Points. <laughs> So, so, um, during that, but so, and Randy Foy was a bit of a hired gun. Like he was brought in because the, I've got nothing for love for Randy Foy, by the way, nothing, like, and it's not like he was a villain by any means, but, but because of the way Tyrone Corbin, like thought young players had to earn their minutes, he didn't get a lot of, uh, like he was playing in front of Alec Burks. He was when Alec Burks was healthy. Because um, when Alec Burks first came into the league, he looked. Man, I just, I feel like Alec Burks. He never got the development that he had, and then he just plateaued as a player because mm-hmm. he, he just, learned a lot of bad habits from um, a coach that didn't really instill those things. Yeah, uh, he learned bad Alphets habits because 2.0. yeah, he grew up in Alphonse two point Yeah, I, I like when when Alec Burks goes out there. I still see the same like first or second year player who's trying to earn minutes. In only three minutes, like he's mm-hmm. he's trying to like, he, it, like every time he's out on the floor, it doesn't look like he's playing inside the offense. It looks like he's 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 trying out, and yeah. and, and so that's how it was. And and so Randy Foy was playing in front of Gordon Hayward. He was playing in front of Alec Burks, and then he had um, Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap who were playing in front of Ennis Cantor and uh, Derek Favors. Why you draft two big men and then as uh, you know to develop and then you still have Big Al and Paul Millsap where you can trade them to fill in your roster once again? There were some moves that were not made. I still feel like Dennis Lindsay. He probably didn't have. He didn't feel like he had enough power in in the organization to jettison those players immediately when he gets here. But I bet you he probably looks at that like, yeah, if I could go back, I probably would have flexed my my muscles and. And it, might, it got something done like that. That's if for for people who who analyze Dennis Lindsay. I, I analyze him a lot because I'm a big strategy nerd. But I, that's that's going to be that's one of those things where you look at when you come into an organization and 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 you don't have a lot of um, a political power in that organization. You 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 waver as when you want to flex, and mm-hmm. I think I think he was worried about when he was going to flex. And he he just didn't do it, but anyway, mm-hmm. but with Randy Foy, he always felt like he was a hired gun, not not his fault. Like he was just brought in at a weird time with with Utah, mm-hmm. and it feels just nice to have like that three point record where you can look back and be like, yeah, that season when when everything just kind of the season that we found Donovan Mitchell. And the beginning of our new era. Yeah, the big beginning of our new era. Joe Ingles, uh, man, there was a time when Joe Ingles was just no one thought he was he was great, but man, man, oh man, he was he he was this unsung hero. Yeah, because I I feel like the cool thing about Joe Ingles is he's like a he's the closest thing to a basketball folk hero that you can have. Oh, 
He's going to be like our John Havlicek. Like everyone will be talking about like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and it'll be like in 30 years and we'll be like, "Man, you you would have loved Joe Ingles though." Yeah, that jo- guy. Joe that Ingles, guy hit threes, he ran into yeah. fights, he passed the ball, he defended. In 20 years, funny. if you see like a Joe Ingles jersey at a Jazz game, you're like, "Dude, that guy gets it." Mm-hmm. Like like he's going to that's going to be the dude that you look at. Similar to if you see like some some someone rocking like a Daryl Griffith jersey, or like an Adrian Dauntley Jazz jersey, you're like, yeah, that dude. They they know, they totally mm-hmm. get it. They like, or so so that would be. I I think what Joe Ingles said. It's just well deserved. I know Joe Ingles yeah, doesn't really listen to our podcast, but if he did, dude, kudos to you, man. Thank you, that's, Joe Eagles. That's we just, love you. That's just awesome. Like, especially choosing to come to Utah before Gordon Hayward made his decision, didn't wait for it, got pay, you know got paid, and rightfully so. Like, like at the when when we signed him and Gordon Hayward didn't stay, we're like, well, this is a overpay, but you know it was an overpay because you were trying to keep Gordon Hayward. And now you look at it and you're like, nah, he's that's a great contract. That's a great and then contract. it also goes down. It actually goes down each year, so it's yeah. actually. It's turning into a phenomenal one. Yeah, it's a really but, great contract. Uh, I, I, you know what? And and I think we probably do need to wrap this up pretty soon. But this has been a magic season. When you consider the fact that it started with a tragedy, it's almost like a perfect movie. It started with this. This is Moneyball. I keep on saying that. Um, it, this is Moneyball the sequel. It's it, verbatim. It's like Moneyball the sequel. Well, because yeah, it's like because it, I took screenwriting in college. All movies start with an inciting incident that sets the hero on its journey. Mm-hmm. And our inciting incident, like if this was a movie, it starts with that 4th of July barbecue where all the players and coaches were together waiting for Gordon's decision. And they all get the same text. I can't remember who it was. It was the he's I think he's a New York writer who kind of sent that text in the morning. Mm-hmm. And and then, um, you know, that's how the movie starts. And then you get Donovan and Donovan struggles at the beginning of the year, but then kind of figures it out and. And now we're going to make the playoffs. It is Moneyball. It's just the basketball it version. Is, this is this is Moneyball, the basketball version, because you have the, you know, your Mark McGuire, um, uh, Jose Canseco figures leaving. Mm-hmm. And then you get, um, and then you, you know, you get a young guy, you know, you so you have some prospects, but the, the free agency pool is very thin and you don't have a lot of money to work with at that point. And you kind of have an ownership that's not known for you know spending big year over year over year, mm-hmm. and so they go out there and they get guys like they get Cephalosha who's had a rough couple of seasons and looks like he's not the same player anymore. You go to Europe and you get Epe Udo, who was in the NBA and washed himself out, and then and and, and Jonas Jerebko back, from... back in, and then Jonas Jerebko, yeah. Where people are like, I mean, they're like, you want to do what with him? And then they're like, yeah, well, I guess he likes video games too. Uh, and he has nice hair. Uh, and then all of a sudden they all just coalesce and you get this big time defense. and The win streak? Been... The win streak, the same thing? You have the win streak with the with the Oakland A's? The win that's streak? The movie mon- that's the montage That's section. the montage right there, yeah. Once it hits January, like... There's the game. There's like the turnaround game is Washington is is the Toronto Raptors game where you thought when you were like this team's for real, where they blow them out, 
And then you have like some, then you have some speech from Quinn Snyder afterwards, or basically being like, "This is who we are." And then you go on the montage. <laughs> yeah. And then they and just you see Rudy blocking shots. Yeah. And, and then and then Donovan dunks. Yeah, all of that. And then you have, and then and then it slow, and then this pace slows down, and then you see like game one NBA playoffs, and then the, them walking onto the court, crowds going nuts. And then <laughs> it's a perfect. And now we're gonna see what happens at the end of the movie. I don't know how this movie ends, but they this is they this go is to the playoffs. Seasons. This is a nut see like I, I I I've written this, and this is not me being a homer. I keep on saying the Jazz front office. The Dennis Lindsay should have an executive of the year because it is it is it is something to like the Golden State Warriors GM got executive of the year for basically signing Kevin Durant. Cool. Um, like, <laughs> like that's, I, I don't look at that like being the executive of the year. Like any six year old can figure out that's what you do in NBA 2K. Like best player. I should sign him. Like that's not to me like really like next level, like light years ahead thinking from like their owner seems to think like that's, that's, I think what is really special about what Dennis Lindsay has done is he was given every reason to fail and every reason and and every excuse would have been his and everyone would have swallowed it up, eaten it and, and regurgitated it willingly. So being like, you know what, this is just a bad season. This is what happens when you lose your, you know, your top two scorers. This it's, it's really difficult to really bounce back from this. I mean, look at what happened to Miami when they lost Dwayne Wade, look at, Look at what happened with with Cleveland with LeBron, and what happened with Miami again when they lost LeBron. Look what what has happened when Shaquille O'Neal left left the Orlando Magic. Orlando. When stars when stars leave your organization in, in their prime, it's really difficult to come back from that. Look at what happened when Kevin Durant left OKC. They barely made it into the playoffs, barely, and and so you can have all the like it fits it fits. But for him to look at that and be like, none of these cards are dealt for us. None of this is going to work in our favor and the entire universe is going to be working against us and to be like, okay, this this is the options. Let's pick the wor- best out of the worst options. How are we going to make things work? And to find pieces that fit and to and to stick with them to find and and for it to work out like this. Yes. And and the Jay Crowder deal. The Jay Crowder deal Yes, you. He definitely deserves an executive year of the war. If if, like, he's had to work his tail off to get this team turned around, and if you don't give an executive executive of the year award for that, like, w- w- how do you get it? Literally, how mm-hmm. how how do you like what what are the criteria? And then Quinn Snyder, coach of the year, biggest turnaround in NBA history. If if the Jazz continue as projected. Biggest turnaround in NBA history, in the modern era, and I doubt I and I stopped going back when I was doing my research past 1975. I highly doubt there's been another one because every single time I I saw a team that turned around those nine games under 500 at the point where the Jazz were at, every team like the biggest turnaround was the Knicks where they got to about five games over 500. The Jazz are projected to end end at 12 games over 500. Oh, there it's magical, and I just gotta say. If we look at this team versus last year's team, I got to give the nod 
to this team. I think this team beats them. What do you think? I think I think it's a I think man it's I think this team post All Star break does. I definitely I think this team post All Star break um, it'd be close. I I feel like it would be like a knockdown drag out fight, but I I definitely think this team is going to pull it out because Donovan Mitchell is a, I, I think the key is Donovan. I think Donovan. I think Donovan pulls the win out at the end. I think it's like Donovan gets a bucket at the one end. It's a tie game. Gordon Hayward comes down, does his thing where he dribbles it, dribbles it, and then he gets a turnover. Donovan goes back, windmill dunk for the win. That's my. That's what (laughs) I I think. I I, I just think Donovan Mitchell. He can get buckets when (laughs) when you need them. Not not necessarily like windmill dunks for the win. But I think he. I, I do think he gets like. He creates a gravity that is greater than what Gordon Hayward did. Like he can really swallow up defenses because he, like Gordon Hayward, gets to the line, but Donovan Mitchell really just like can open up guys, and that's why you have those open shots with you know for Joe Ingles. That's part of the reason Joe Ingles is able to break the three point record this year. You know, there's more shots available, and he's left open because of the gravity that's being caused right now by Rudy Gobert. And Donovan Mitchell, like Joe Ingles is being left open, which wasn't the case at the beginning of the season. Like, well, and I think I think the Favors matchup is a big time factor in this too. I think I think Derek Favors might have a monster game that game, just really dominant. Oh yeah, he's he's like the oh that, that might be the reason this Derek, team wins. Yeah, yeah, the past year Derek Favors is. Yeah, I I do think the thing that would be hard with last year's team is all of a sudden Joe Johnson. Last year's Joe Johnson gets to check in, and that's, that's a scary true. thought. I think that's like scary. this year we get Jay Crowder to come in though. We have Jay Crowder who can who can really, yeah, go go like defend He's him really well. Really well at the four, by the way. He is. They he, the Jazz I, have the best small... defensive lineup with him in there, and their next best lineup is one of the other top five lineups in the NBA post All Star break, which is Derek Favors in place of Jay Crowder. They can go big and shut you down, and be one of the best teams in the league to shut you down. And they can go small and shut you down. This team is is a defensive chameleon that can really, really, uh, really guard. So this this Whoa. season, it's just really special. It's just it's really, really good. special, and it and it's uh, and like, Dennis since he set up he's set us up for years to because for example, if Derek Favors leaves next year, there's a good chance that Jay Crowder just becomes our starting power forward. Yeah, and we might be even better. You never know, just with the spacing, uh, defensively maybe a touch not as good, but offensively maybe even a little better. I don't know. Yeah, I I I think so. I, it's. It's just a cool. It's a great team. It's fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. Well, well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. It's been a little while, so it was fun to talk to you again, Michael. Uh, Yeah, it was. It was was fun. We should do this more often. It was therapeutic for me to get out this tank note (laughs) rage I have a little bit. I had to get that out. But the funny thing is, the people were so mad about you're like, "How dare you?" And like, "Yeah, how dare I watch this team all the all the year and crank out so much." I'm telling you, if the, the Jazz call were, of me when the Jazz were ten bit games below 500, I was not going to come out here and sit and talk about, you know, I'm not going to kill myself over losses when the Jazz were that bad. That Atlanta loss was like the low point, and from then on they got better. But yeah, that Atlanta loss was a uh, well, 
I guess this is the type of year it's going to be. <laughs> because, because, Hello, darkness, my old friend. That's yeah, what that was. Yeah, it, like, because they had that rough November, and then they hit that point in December where they had that six-game win streak. You're like, hey, maybe we got something. And then it all went downhill. <laughs> Just died. Yes. Ugh. Well, anyways, guys, make sure that you go to iTunes and search SLC Punks, and then go subscribe to us. And if you're listening to it right now, if you went and gave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. It's very beneficial to us the way you do that is you go to your app on your iphone or your whatever lesser phone you might have that might not be an iphone and you search slc punks and then you click write review and you give a review yeah it's pretty it's cathartic it's really really great and we would appreciate it and you can say anything on there you want really anything except swear words because (laughs) they don't like that they don't so that might not get approved but go do that go uh Go do that. Go to the SLC Dunk. Read everything because it's all really great. And we all put a lot of work into bringing this site for you. And it's all honest. And it's all based in fact and being the most correct opinion of any blog out there. So you should yes. be reading all of it. All best best opinions. It's <laughs> it's like 70% accurate, which is good accurate, you know? Like, sev- like if somebody was shooting 70% from three, you'd take that, right? Exactly. It's 70% of the <laughs> – 77% accurate, 64% of the time for a true shooting percentage of mostly accurate. Post-All-Star so, break. Post-All-Star break, pre-injury, post-Malone. Yeah. I don't – I mean, don't – don't. I mean, if you read us during the tanking years, we were just like – we were developing. We were developing. We're in better. our prime now. Yeah. We just – I mean, we had to get those minutes. You just got to get the reps. Yeah. It's all about this, uh, this Oreo needed dunking. We'll just yes. say that. Um, but anyways, nice. go do that. I like that. Uh, I'm Hanson James. You and can follow this is me on Twitter. Milo. And this is Milo. Find him on Twitter. We will talk to you next time. Peace, y'all.